This is Sergio Anello of the Early November, and you're listening to We Podcast and We Know Things. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 146 of We Podcast and We Know Things. My name is Greg Hall, and I'm bringing you a solo special episode tonight, episode 146. I'm naming it The Deep Cuts. It's a little different of an episode, but it's our third birthday, our third anniversary, and uh, I just wanted to do something different. Sam is in the great state of Alabama, where Forrest Gump is from, among others. Uh, and uh, just, you know, since he couldn't join me, we were going through and saying, do you know, do we want to get guest hosts? And some fell through, some never happened in the first place. And what can we do? And, and you know what? I said I got an idea. Um, and I had this idea for... Uh, for, for a solo show that's a little different. So if you're new to the podcast, we are the single source for all of your nerdy news in gaming, TV, film, music, and all things pop culture. We're basically spreading the good word of nerd one episode at a time. But tonight's going to be a little different. Tonight's not going to be the nerdy news in gaming, TV, film, music, and all things pop culture. I, I do still want to say, you know... We do have the We Pod Squad, and I want to make sure you're joining them by hitting that subscriber follow button on all your podcasting services, iTunes, Castbox, Stitcher, wherever you get that audible goodness. Uh, it'd be awesome if you leave us that rating and review. It does take like a minute for real, and it is cheap. It is easy. It does help the show grow almost most of all. We do read all your reviews on the air one star, three star, five star, don't care. Uh, but a five star review would be greatly appreciated if we deserve it. Uh, we podcast who know things.com all links in the description of this episode you can check out all of our we pod squad brethren uh, mrc tech presents the last podcast the ion ryan show please send us an email we podcast and we know things at gmail.com or hit the email link in our instagram page uh, where it says email you can just click on it send us any email we'll read them on the show questions comments uh nerdy questions will answer no problem um you know, just want to say thanks to the We Be Geeks Network. We are a part of them. Uh, and, you know, we are five weeks away from the big episode 150 here on We Podcast and We Know Things. We are, like, about – we're I think we're at 180, 181. I think today is the 181st uh, piece of audio content that We Podcast and We Know Things is delivering, including our bonus episodes and stuff um, with, like, all the interviews we did. But anyway – uh, we have a, a pretty cool thing in the works with the We Pod Squad for episode 150 of our show, so be on the look for that in five weeks, five episodes. Um, but I mean, I, I again, like I said, it's going to be a little bit different of a show, and I named it the Deep Cuts because we've actually gotten a lot of questions. Like, you guys, like, can you stand each other still? Um, are you actually friends outside of the podcast? You know, we hear you say we've been friends for a long time, but I don't know if you know the real story. So that's what I want to do tonight. Uh, it is August 1st. It is 8.07 p.m. Eastern Time. Like I said, our third birthday of the podcast. Technically, it was July 31st of 2016. So just over three years ago, we started this adventure. But I want to rewind even farther back than that. And I want to talk to you about how Sam and I met. And... uh He's not here to defend himself, which is great. <laughs> um, I love, uh, I love him to death, and uh, I am recalling this from my memory. He does not know I'm doing this. I told him I'm going to be doing a surprise for the episode. So Sam, shout out to you. 
I asked him to listen to this as soon as it gets posted. Um, so hopefully you can fact check me, but I'm pretty sure this is how it all went down uh, in terms of how we met. I know the other stuff is all legit because I just I, I can never forget all the friggin' awesome times we've had. Um, I was eight years old. So, Sam, you were six or seven, depending on what month it was. And uh, I was outside playing football. I did this thing a lot growing up playing sports by myself um, to practice. So like when I wasn't practicing on my sports teams, I would often play by myself. And, uh, we had in our basement growing up, the one wall in our basement was completely concrete and it was like an unfinished wall, if you will. So it almost didn't matter what we did down there. So I set up hockey nets and I would put my goalie glove on and my blocker and my helmet. And I would throw the ball as hard as I could a tennis ball against the wall. And then I would try to save it. And like, that's how I'd practice playing goalie whenever I couldn't play outside We'd practice golf. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. Um, mostly mini golf, trying to putt from all over the basement into a, one of those putting greens you can buy the rollout ones. Um, I even created a sport around it, and uh, like a competitive one. And then I had a little basketball hoop in there and did some football, I guess, on the couch stuff. Wrestling, definitely wrestled a lot down there. Um, but anyway, it was playing outside. You know, wanted to open it up a little bit, went outside, played football, basically just tossing it over my, like, uh, what's the word? The wire? We always just called it the wire. You play wire ball. Uh, it was like the, the electrical wire that would droop from one side of the street to the other, hanging over the middle of the street. Um, I would throw the football over it, run over the other side, and then catch it, and then just basically, like, that's how I advance the ball down the field or whatever. So I'm doing that, and... Uh, you may not know me in real life or know what I look like in real life. And right now I have like this reddish brownish hair, but growing up I was bleach blonde. And, um, there was a couple other people in my grade that were bleach blonde as well. Um, Corey and Chris that, that jumped to mind. Well, Sam, uh, walking by my street, I lived on a cul-de-sac and I was the very middle house of the cul-de-sac. So like the deepest part of it. Well, Sam was walking by my street one day. We had never met before. Um, we did go to the same grade school, but he was the grade below me and we just didn't interact for, for whatever reason. Um, I guess what, what's eight? Um, if I'm like 13 when I'm in eighth grade, five years, but what? So like third grade ish, uh, throwing a ball around Sam's walking by the street and I hear Corey. Corey. And I ignore it. I'm not Corey. I am Greg. Corey's not even my middle name. I don't have anybody in my family named Corey. Uh, but I do know this one kid who lives around the corner named Corey, blonde hair, just like me. And so I ignore it. I ignore it. And then he walks up and he approaches Corey. That's not my name. That is not my name at all. Uh, well, what is it? Well, my name's Greg. Well, I'm Sam. And like, that's crazy how in today's day and age, how little we hear and see that type of thing happen uh, with the advent of social media, online gaming, all that stuff. It is hell. I met one of my groomsmen on Xbox live in 2006 or seven. So like it, it's crazy how people meet in the digital age, but back then you would knock on someone's door to see if they were home. Uh, you didn't call them or text them first. You didn't text when you're outside saying I'm outside. You knocked on the friggin' door. Well, you know, that was the times in the, in the nineties, early two thousands, uh, you just, even though it's only 2019, life was different back then. So he comes up, he approaches me, he introduces himself, and immediately it was it was cool, right? I had someone to throw the ball around with when I wasn't out on a team playing, practicing with with teammates. Um, 
I was always a kid who had, and still to this day, never had the big giant group of friends, always had the small and preferred, uh, always had the small group. Like I don't, I'm not a big party guy. I'm a small intimate setting, sit around the couch. Everybody has a beer telling stories, laughing. So like, that's how I kind of preferred my social settings. There was a time going into high school where we did have the big group, like a huge group, 20 plus every night, hanging out in the same spot and street and the playground and all that stuff. Um, but I was always off doing my thing in that group. So like a subsect almost. And so, uh, you know, not having a million friends, it was great to see somebody just walk up to you and want to be your, want to be your friend and had common interests. You know, he, he was athletic at that age too. So throwing a football around, just hanging out, uh, and we just talk and talk and talk. But the thing is he never understood my name wasn't Corey. So the next time that I'm outside and he comes walking by, whether it was pre, you know, premeditated or not, he yells, Corey, Corey. And it's like, dude, my name is not freaking Corey. Uh, so, you know, fast forward this whole football thing too. Um, I think where we really got to be really close friends actually was when we got into our first fight and, uh, it was also, I don't know if it was in within the same year, a couple months that we met or whatever, but, um, I remember we were playing football and I, I want to say there was a third person. Uh, because it's, I feel like it was a one-on-one on my street, driveways with the end zones, with a steady QB. And I want to say it was me versus him or I was steady QB. I would actually think I was steady QB the way this works out. And either I m- might not have hit him with a pass or he might have dropped it or I might have just been way off target or whatever. But point of the story is we had to punt to the other side. And... uh I was really ticked off at him for whatever he said, whatever he did. I, I don't know what that was, but um, I remember he was in front of me. So he's in front of me, and I have the ball ready to punt it away. So what do I do? Well, usually when you're on like a street with cars and stuff, we're on the hard top. You don't want to punt it. You hit a house, you hit a car, whatever. We're actually, we have a real football, so we don't want to do any damage. So we'd throw it instead of a punt. Not me, not this time. Uh, I played soccer a lot growing up, and... Uh, pretty accurate punting, pretty good. So I was like, I'm punting this, but I'm not punting it at the person on the other end of it. Again, couldn't tell you who it was. Maybe Pino, maybe Machi, maybe Mike. Um, but I punted it directly in the back of Sam's head, nailed him flush right in the back of the dome. And, uh, he got pissed. He went down, got up very quickly, got, uh, swung very aggressively. But I think that brought us closer. Uh, and it's it's nuts how like that happens too when you're a kid. He is not the only person I've ever gotten into a fight with. Where after the fight was over, we had we had you know, we we grew a friendship out of it. Now I will say that I am probably friends with none of those people now. You know, you did drift apart after a while, but uh, matter of fact, I got in a fight with the same kid twice. But uh, Sam was different. Like we just continued to hit it off and become friends, become friends, and that evolved into. I don't know, a couple, like three, four years of friendship, but it really, really ter- like picked up and, and became something different around, I was in seventh grade, I was 12 years old, so he was 10 or 11 and in seventh grade, or sixth grade, and that's when I learned and what skateboarding was and picked up a skateboard for the first time. Uh, it was a little tiny 
unnamed god only knows what type of deck had no concave to it matter of fact it looked like it was warped the other way had the coarsest grip tape you could ever imagine there was zero just stick to it whatsoever um the wheels were tiny like probably in the 30s millimeter wise the trucks were black plastic and the wheels Actually, the bearings were pretty darn good in it. But this was the type of skateboard that you... you It's a novelty board. You don't ride it. But I was determined because I couldn't afford a real skateboard. And uh, as any anybody out there knows, I took skateboarding as far as I possibly could in my life and still enjoy it heavily to this day. Um, but I picked up the skateboard. I went outside, again, by myself. Skateboarding can be the greatest thing in the world alone. I, I prefer to have a couple friends with me um, to admire their tricks, but, uh, I took it and I did a note. Well, I learned how to stand on it. First of all, you don't just learn how to stand on the skateboard. That stuff takes talent and, um, get on the board, learn how to stand on it. Then I learned how to push a little bit. Then you learn how to tic tac. And then I put my nose up against the Island on my, a curb on my street called the Island. And I did a nose stall. And that was like the first trick I ever did. And boy, howdy, was that exciting. And I couldn't wait to tell my friends about this thing called skateboarding. I went to Walmart or Dick's. Actually, I think I went to Dick's Sporting Goods. And I bought a mongoose, a mongoose skateboard. And that thing was even worse. That thing, the wheels didn't spin at all. Terrible bearings, terrible wheels. They were really, really, really soft. Uh, so if the ground was remotely hot, they would almost sink into the, into the blacktop. Or, or almost get like flat. Um the trucks were garbage. The board was heavy, heavy wood. Um, it was probably like nine or ten ply. It was just awful. And uh, I remember getting that board and skateboarding down my friend Machi's street to where Sam often was. We hung out on the same streets with the same people. Machi and Carmen were, were really good mutual friends. And the four of us really became friends because of it. And uh, I remember just trying to fly down Machi Street. And Machi Street and Sam Street are connected. Uh, so I basically was going to make the pit stops. Carmen's, Machi, Sam's, show them this new skateboard. And I'm flying down Machi Street to get there. And I hit a rock, and the board stops, and I keep flying. And that was the first time I ate shit on a skateboard. And if you know me, I'm a weird guy. I like pain. I like needles. I like, you know, eating shit when I'm skateboarding and, and falling. It... it doesn't bother me in the least. I don't mind a bump, a bruise, a scar, or whatever. And um, I eat shit, and I'm just laughing super hard because my hands are cut up, and my elbow still have a scar on my elbow from it. And um, it was just like this is how it was fun to fall. It was crazy. So I wanted to share this experience. So I go and I show them this new skateboard, and they're into it. They're, it's cool. But it's not really for them. This was, I would probably say September, October, uh, because that Christmas, lo and behold, my dad surprises me with a Tony Hawk birdhouse complete from G Spot. Uh, shout out to G Spot in Langhorn, the big purple house. I don't believe it's there anymore. Um, I don't think really any skate shops around here are packed. I even think rain is gone. But um, just got this Tony Hawk real skateboard and the grip tape was cut out where the birdhouse logo was on top so i had this awesome cut out grip just like in tony hawk's pro skater and uh and so i call sam on our house phones because that's what we had back then there was no cell phone uh although i would get one ne the next year still have the same phone number by the way um call sam up and he got a freaking birdhouse complete skateboard. His was Bucky Lassick. And it had the uh, 
I don't remember its name, but the big, the big giant chicken from the uh, Looney Tunes. I can't remember what the hell its name is. Um, but that was like a caricature of that on the bottom of that Bucky Elastic deck. If I saw that deck to this day, I would recognize it. And actually, my Tony Hawk board, same thing. Uh, it was obviously it's December, so it's bitter cold. This is two thousand. This is probably two thousand two, doesn't maybe two thousand one, at this point. And uh, I call him up. What'd you get? I got a skateboard. Oh, dude, me too. Let's go. So we go out and we go over to. Uh, I go over to his street. His street was a thirty second skate from my house, a two minute walk maximum. If you're walking slow, it takes two minutes to get to Sam's house from my house. Growing up, and um, matter of fact, I'm now moving back to that old neighborhood around the corner from Sam. I'll be a three minute drive, uh, which is awesome. Starting in September, but anyway, uh, go over there and we have an ollie contest. Mind you, I barely know how to ollie at this point, and Sam, I taught him how to ollie, and he could barely do it too. So when we have an ollie contest, it's basically to see who could ollie, not who could ollie higher. And we had uh, Kev McCormick, uh, Sam's like almost next door neighbor, a good friend of both of ours growing up. He was the judge. So we're, he's judging us. We're out there in the cold in our gloves and hats having an ollie contest, and it is just the most fun experience in the world just feel so accomplished and you have friends to do it and then machi joined in he got a skateboard so now the three of us are skateboarding and then my friend mike uh shout out to actually mike forward a five dollar patron of ours patreon.com slash we pod squad and um and he got a skateboard and and so it's just like it starts to grow and grow and grow and then biff uh who i believe already was skating at the time and dave davis who my god best skater i i skated with hands down growing up Jim White and Ryan Popejoy, my best friend in the world. So right now, to this day, my best friend in the world. So um, him and Sam. And it's like this crazy phenomenon taking over. And skateboarding becomes this cultural thing in 2002-ish where it really took over. Tony Hawk had a lot to do with that. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, the X Games, the 900. All of that was It just kind of engulf pop culture but but it was before youtube it was before social media it was with chat rooms and gunbound and all these crazy things and so and tj tj was a skateboarder too so we had a quinn we had a ton of friends to skate with matter of fact we made a skate video and it's on youtube right now just uh youtube then and now and then greg hall and you'll be able to find all of our parts and sam is on there too on a scooter but uh so we're all skateboarding and my god when i tell you it was the greatest feeling. You wake up, you go out, you skate eight o'clock in the morning, you skate until dinner. You go in, you eat dinner, you come back out and you skate for two more hours before you have to, to go inside for the night. And then when you go inside for the night, all sweaty and dust and bloody and disgusting, your homies come inside, you sit around, you watch a drive through DVD, then you watch a skate video, then everybody goes their separate ways. You log on to Gunbound for the night, you play a couple rounds of Gunbound, you go to bed. That was the life wouldn't trade it for the world had the best time ever doing that and we all got progressively better and better and better my dad and i and my uncle built a box which is a skateboarding i guess uh accessory if you will wooden box puts a couple rails on the side of it to grind manual across the top so build this box and then i order this thing called a grind sticks rail beautiful orange rail like 10 feet long from uh i think i got it from grindsticks.com i'm not sure because i definitely didn't get it off ccs 
and uh, I ordered this thing. So my my street, and I had a kicker ramp. So my street was the place, and we had really good blacktop on my street. So it was the boxing rail, and that's what we called it, the boxing rail. So what do you want to skate today? Well, that's the boxing rail. Uh, and we tore that thing to shreds, man. We friggin' tore it up. I learned dozens and dozens of tricks doing that, just skating out in front of my house. And uh, Sam was a part of that, man. He's grinding. He's he's doing. You know, I think he was a good, really good at doing five O's uh, on the box. But we used to have skate contests out there where before we were any good, we would uh, film the contest with this giant camcorder that Machi's mom let us borrow with the big VHS tape in it, and we had to use a friggin' extension cord because there is no battery for it. And we'd run the extension cord and Pino too. How the hell can I forget about Anthony Pino on skateboarding? Uh, got into it right around the same time we did. And um, and so Anthony and myself, there's still videos of this. And Ian Bryan at one point, rest your soul, and uh, Bubbles and all these dudes that never even skated would just come over and we would just throw a skateboard on their feet and say, go, here's two minutes, go. And we'd film these contests. We'd do commentary over top of them. And uh, if you landed it with one foot, you got half credit. If you landed it with two feet, you got full credit. I remember there was a heel flip dark slide that I did that took like three minutes for me to pop the board back over. I landed on it and then fell off, but they still gave me full credit. And I'll, and Machi looks at me. Uh, he's got a fake microphone. looks at me and says, how do you feel? You just landed a heel flip dark slide. And I said, I'm stoked. I just landed a heel flip dark slide. <laughs> it's just like the things that stick out in my head about this. And so uh, we, you know, we're progressing. We're getting better. We're getting better. We're getting better. Um, to the point where we can, you know, we're ollieing downstairs, we're putting the rail down gaps and we're doing crazy stuff, really good, really good progressive stuff and, uh, really starting to kill it. Skate park opens up in our neighborhood, a couple of them, one in the Chamonix, um, Ben Salem, it's still there, uh, blue park, then one in Franklin Mills Mall, now Philadelphia Mills. It was at the time it was ESPN X game skate park, um, and then I think became Woodward and then Black Diamond. And then it's now closed. I, I'm 99% sure. But uh, we just we fell in love with it. And we're skating my box. Well, the boxing rail one day. And Sam goes up to Ollie the box. I believe he was trying to manual it. His back truck clips the wood on the front of the box. When I say the kid eats shit, man, he ate shit. He hits, he clips, he flies forward. I believe he was wearing a helmet. My dad made anybody who skated on our street, on our obstacles, wear a helmet um, for uh, liability and safety reasons, obviously. Good for you, dad. And uh, he clips the shit out of it and fucking just just kills himself on it. And uh, flies forward, just boom, head hits the ground. Not hard, and he had the helmet, but shoulder smokes the ground. Knee gets all cut up from the box. And at that moment, he said, I'm done. I'm out. I'm, I'm not going to skate again. And when you are that age, right, 13, 14, and you want to continue doing one thing and one thing only, and that's, to me, at the time, was skateboarding, like nothing else mattered but the dudes who I was skating with at that time. And if you didn't want to skate, you could go to hell. And that was just the mentality. And when Sam quit skateboarding, I will say, man, it wasn't the same. Like we stopped, we stopped hanging as much. Now, Sam, to his credit, said, "I'm not done being a rad dude." He picked up a scooter, but at the dude, when you're in the early 2000s and you're that age, you know, young teenager, when you're skateboarding, you know, even though I played hockey, skating like rollerblading was considered fruit booting, 
and roll and scootering was, I'm not going to say it on the air, but we had another name for scooters. And so like, I don't know, in an effort to be cool or an effort to be trendy or an effort to not want to be, you know, a, a not a non-skater. I was like, dude, I'm not, I'm not going to invite you and you're not going to invite me everywhere. Like we still want to hang, still go to the church steps to do crazy stuff, dude. When Sam, Sam destroyed those steps on a scooter, man, he was doing crazy stuff down them. Uh, awesome to see now. Like when I'm older now and I look back on it, it was all just super rad. But uh, it was different back then. And it's just not the same. You got handlebars, da 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 da. You know. So anyway, Sam picks up scootering. Machi picks up scootering. Um, Pino moves. And it was like, holy shit. Now, Machi continued to skate. So he did both. So he was, first of all, he was the glue. Like, he would hang with Sam and scoot. He would hang with us and skate. And he would do a little, like both of that and never really brought the two worlds together a lot. There was, like I said, some intermingling, but like, holy shit, dude, like this guy. And he was really good at both. And we still, he still got the Machi pop and, um, still love him. This day is one of my favorite skaters. And, you know, we just, we just didn't hang out as much. Yeah. We still play some gunbound. We always, always had the drive through records DVDs and you know moshing to census fail in his basement and our love of the early November and then like bubbles you know hanging in his basement so don't get me wrong we hung out like all the effing time but a lot of times it was at night or on the weekends a lot on the weekends I mean his street was the place to go on the weekends 20 of us would congregate like I kind of mentioned earlier there and we'd all have our little subsections the girls the guys the skaters the scooters the guys and girls that were trying to make out with each other like we did a lot of that and so we always hung out but it was in such big groups that it was never really that personal setting between the two of us so I wouldn't say he was my best friend. I wouldn't say I was his best friend at the time, but we like, we were still homies to the point where we bought each other Christmas presents. So like, uh, what I get him the Italian job? I think I got him one year on DVD, and uh, you know, Pino moving just that ripped a lot of, of of us in half because that was during eighth grade for him when I was a freshman in high school, and that's when I really started to get good at skateboarding, and he was my fucking dude. So like, man, and and we left on shitty terms because of his graduation party, I still feel bad for to this day. And, and so like our little slowly, but surely this little subsect of Parkwood, Sam and I included at the, you know, kind of in the heart of it, we're going separate ways, finding our own passions, finding our own loves. And then girls happen. (laughs) And, you know, fast forward, I'm 16. uh, You know, I meet a girl, we date for a couple of years Sam comes down the shore with me. I had a shore house. We're still friends, still homies. But I would like pretty routinely put him on the back burner for this girl. And it, it was shitty. I, you know, again, I still feel shitty to this day. Um, so like I, I, man, I'll, when I, when I got involved in like the relationship thing, I, I let a lot of friendships go that I shouldn't have. And Sam was a part of that. So, on top of that, in 2005, December of 2005, I moved to the suburbs. So now I move. So I'm out of the Parkwood. I'm in the suburbs, about 25 minutes away. Um, I I did have a car. I did have a car, but I was a brand new driver. Um, you know, like maybe less than a year I had my license. And so what really, really held us together 
during those times and when we you know while we still became really good friends as as often as we could and again i did a lot of dumb shit for this girl but uh, as you will when you're 15 16 year old boy in your first real relationship um i we played poker like a ton a ton a ton of poker and what i really think kept sam and i like really close was we always sat in the same two chairs and he was always next to me, to my right, and I was always to his left. He was always at the head of the table on the one side. Andrew was on the other head of the table. And I was always just directly to Sam's left. So that I think just by being next to each other, proximity alone, you just talk to that person a little bit more. And it, I think, I honestly think that kept us together as, as like laughing and joking and stuff. We play 24-hour sessions of poker, go home, get a couple hours of sleep, go back to Andrew's and play more. And it was just relentless. Um, you know, we all started to like juggle in relationships, Sam getting girlfriends, Andrew, and they're, and they're married now, Andrew and Julia. Um, you know, all of us are, are continuing to try and try this whole friend thing out. And uh, poker was a great, um, I don't know, like escape is the word maybe. Uh, you just hang out with the friends. Then, you know, we we invited a ton of people into the game that basically never wanted to come back because we were taking their, uh, we'll call them chips. Um, so anyway, I'm moving. I spent my senior year still at the same high school, but I moved to the suburbs. So it just, it's not the same. I'm having friends over as much as I possibly can, but I'm driving down to pick them up, driving back, then driving home to take them home, then driving back. It's just a lot of wear and tear. Plus trying to, you know, balance these relationships. So you just don't hang out as much. There was also a period of time for like five years where my now wife was a part of this thing where Sam had some bangers in his house. Um, he had parties like every weekend. Um, in his basement and I, and I was either not invited because I lived far away and I made that clear. I distinctly remember one time saying, dude, just cause I live far away. Don't please don't like not invite me. Well, you know, I'd rather just save it because I know you're going to say no and stuff like that. And he's right because there was a lot of times where he'd invite me and I'd say no. So I get it. I kind of earned the, the uninvite if you will. Um, but there was a lot of parties at that house that when he tell him and my wife are talking about the past and they're telling stories in our house, I don't remember. I don't know. I wasn't there. I chose, you know, skateboarding girls, all that stuff. Um, but again, you know, friends, we were the type of friends that if we don't talk for, you know, there were times where we didn't talk for two, three, four, five, six, seven months. But when we did, it was just like, you know, uh, pick like business, picking up just where it left off. And so I, I remember when I got um, denied, if you will, whatever, from the one college I really wanted to go to. I didn't get in. I ended up going to community college, and my friends all go away to college. But Sam stayed back. And so that was a great connection for us to make again and kind of reconnect is how, you know, is it uh, – what do you want to do? I don't know. I don't remember what the hell we did in that in that little bit, but I ended up hanging out with him a lot then. I go away to college after a year and a half of community. I I move and transfer to a four-year school, and that is when the friendship that we have now really picked up. And we went through a lot of shit in college, and Sam did not go to the school I went to, but it kind of feels like he did. Um, This dude helped me move into 
every single dorm room, whatever that I had, every one. There was not one time where he did not help me. And that was pretty fucking huge because he was the only one. So I'm doing it by myself. And and I don't, you know, I don't want to discredit like my roommates and stuff like that. That would have helped me as well. And we were all helping each other. But Sam was like the homie. He came down. He'd take a shit in my dorm. He was the first one to take a shit. That was his thing. I don't know. Whatever. He stunk up my fucking dorm. But he was the guy who wanted to do that. That's cool. Uh, I want to take the first shit. Okay. No problem. Um, let me get you, you know, a, a free meal or, you know, whatever, an alcoholic beverage. I don't know. Uh, but he would help me move in. And so we'd obviously stay. He was down there all the time. Anytime we had a party, I'd invite him, met him, you know, introduced him to all the friends around the school and the girls. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, Sam's a strapping young man. So he definitely was into the, uh, definitely into the party scene, definitely into the girls. Um, whether, uh, whether, I liked him or not. Sam had his Sam had his his eyes on the prize. So uh, anyway, so there was um, you know hanging out all the time. Like every weekend, he's coming down to school for parties and stuff. But there was this one party I, I got to tell, and this is incriminating and embarrassing for Sam. But he's not here to defend himself. So I'm going to tell this story, and you're going to like it. Um, there's one time where I I distinctly remember not feeling well before we even started this party or before we even started drinking or anything like that. And uh, it was in a dorm room. It was Kelly's dorm room with, you know, Bree and Julia and Mary Morgan, just like the place we hung out all the effing time. We were in this room constantly. They had a quad, so it was awesome. We'd always go into the right side on Kelly and Mary Mark's side. We'd sit on the floor, we'd play Kings and all the, and all the drinking games. They'd let me play my guitar and uh, pretend that they were amused. And... Um, there was one time where I'm just not feeling it. I'm not, you know, something's off. And so, you know, had a couple of the high lifes as, as we'll say the champagne of beers. And, uh, I was a lot skinnier back then, even though I put on a ton of weight when I was in community college. Cause I basically hated my life at the time. But, uh, I had this thing where whenever I was drinking, um, or whatever, having had friends over basically any social setting, I needed a five, five, five. And if anybody that's listened to this from the sound knows, we all love the five, five, five. We loved two things in college. It was the five, five, five and Asia. And, uh, Asia was this Chinese spot that would deliver until 3 AM. And it was always delicious no matter what time you got it, but you only wanted it after midnight, uh, or if the weather sucked. Or you get a five 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 Domino's five 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 three pizzas medium five bucks a piece one topping and then you get to you get the cinnamon sticks and you split them and you deal with it and that was that was it man that was life back then it was cheap easy meal for college kids to live off of well I go to get my five 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 and I told you I'm not feeling it and uh, I remember coming back in the room and Sam's gone okay where's he at don't know anybody seen him nope nobody's seen him we're pretty probably pretty wiped at this point it's been a while um i remember not feeling so good so i was just eating the crusts trying to get some bread in my system and i don't it wasn't like drunk sick it was just like i'm not feeling well so i went i they had a bathroom that was like a huge like four person bathroom and the bath the actual toilet was like a stall, like a public bathroom stall. It had a door on it and everything. You know, four people living in one room. You got to have that. I had it in mine as well for uh, a year. And um, went into that stall to either throw up or 
I don't know. I was again, I wasn't drunk sick, but I just wasn't feeling it. Maybe I just went to go to the bathroom. I don't remember. Either way, I opened the stall door because it was unlocked. And uh, there's Sam sitting on the toilet, pants down to his ankles, <laughs> uh, bearing it all for anyone to see, dead asleep. Um, Sam, you have hairy legs. I'll say that, dude. <laughs> At least he did 10 years ago. And, uh, oh my God, I just remember feeling instantly better because nothing was going to make me feel that low, but instantly felt better. Hilarious friggin' cracking up laughing. I think we eventually woke him up. Um, I think we even discreetly like just kind of left the bathroom. Like they were like, Oh, okay. Everybody's back. I don't think anybody noticed. I'm pretty sure because I never hear about this story from anybody else who was in the room. And there's probably like eight to 10 people there. Um, so I'd like to think that, uh, that nobody knows until now, but you do now. And, uh, that was that like of all the stories of all the time, Sam tried to hook up with, with people or run around campus like an idiot or, um, all that craziness. That's the one story that sticks out to me, man. And that is what I'll always remember. Cause it was just so funny. And like post college, we hung out a bit, um, but not nearly what we used to. I went actually, I went back to skateboarding in two. I graduated in 11. I got back into skateboarding in 2012. Um, Sam did to his credit, because we were, you know, we're in our early 20s at this point. Sam, to his credit, he bought a scooter again and uh, like a razor, like the one we had when we were kids. And I'm, I got back into skateboarding heavily, seven days a week with Ryan and Steve, um, uh, either. Uh, the new rail that we bought or the new box that we built or at the bingo hall or at Whitehall skate park or at, uh, we went to the grand opening downtown across from the art museum at Payne's park, Machi too. Um, so we're all skateboarding again. Machi's killing it. Ryan's just destroying worlds. I love him to death. And we're like, we're, I won't say I was as good back then because I was older. My body hurt a lot more. I was definitely heavier. So like I couldn't do things down steps and handrails like I did when I was a kid. I couldn't just throw myself down things anymore. Hurting hurts a lot more when you're older. And um, But we're hard into it. And we were still filming for this video because I found all my old skate footage. A lot of it. I shouldn't say all of it. None of the fucking awesome shit, but found some really good skate stuff. I put it together, put like 75 hours of editing into this video. And then I edited in clips of new stuff. So we're filming for a year and a half, uh, to get this video done. So Sam was like, well, I have a couple of tricks in there on scooters. When I was a kid, let me too kind of have some stuff now. So, okay. So not only was he filming for us, but he also would do some stuff on the scoot and like killing rails, like like one footers, no handers, one handers, friggin' like tail whip shit. Like he is doing really cool stuff. Again, when you're older, you appreciate the smaller stuff too. You don't have to be this crazy dude who does backflips and stuff to just appreciate and hang out with the friends. And so like we put our hearts in this video, but Sam and I didn't hang out really outside of that at all. Um, just because again, I, I was just so dedicated to skating again and I got a different job full time. Um, so I'm trying to skate, play hockey. I was hockey goalie my whole life. That really doesn't come into this story, but just know I'm doing that, um, for a couple men's leagues teams. Um, I'm single at this point. So like there was no real distraction from that, but then I rekindled the flame with my now wife. Um, 
And so we hung out all the time. My wife and I were always really close friends, even regardless of or before starting to date. We were always really good friends hanging out. Like, like she was a part of the clique, right? Hanging out with Sam and I freaking every weekend. We would drive, the three of us would drive to McDonald's at one o'clock in the morning and freaking they'd order Big Macs, I'd order a hamburger and we'd, you know, have whatever. We'd have fun, just chill. We'd drive around in, in Ashley's convertible. Um, I'd, again, I'd have parties at my parents' house. Everybody was over 21, but had parties over at the parents' house and they would always come. So like we hung, when we hung out, we made it count. You know what I mean? And so when we started dating, uh, only four months into our relationship, we moved in together and half of it was because we planned on moving in together anyway, as friends. Um, the other half is because we kind of knew we're risking damn near best friends to do this and date. There's probably a future in it. So, you know, we took the leap, we moved in together and now we moved to Ben Salem, which is really, really close to our hometown of Parkwood. It's like literally right across a little tiny bridge and you're in Ben Salem. So I'm about a seven, eight minute drive from Sam's front step. So like Sam helped us move in again. Cause he's the homie fucking helps us move in every, every time. Uh, he also helped us move into the house we're moving into now. We're hiring movers to go back to the old neighborhood. So Sam, you're out, you're off the hook for this one. But, uh, when I move in, uh, he's at every party we threw, every single one, rain, snow, shine, doesn't matter. And it just, it it felt great. He was the guy that you don't talk to every day, you don't hang out with every day, but he's there all the time. Super loyal friend. And just like the type of dude you're, I, when we got engaged, I wanted him to be there and I wanted him to be a groomsman. He was the second person, third person I asked to be a groomsman. Um, so like I, I knew that that, that, we were going to be friends forever. And he was just such a good dude. And when I moved in, we moved into the house we're in now, or I'm recording right now, basically our studio house. Uh, he helped us move here again, but that's where this podcast was birthed. So now, you know, our entire friendship across a 40 minute story from, from freaking the day we met up until now, but this is, this is how the podcast started. And if you've listened to any of our interviews with a lot of our guests, we've told an abridged version of the story before. Um, but here's how it happened. Uh, I was in giant, the food chain and, um, we're food shopping, just walking up and down the aisle. And I had done a sports talk radio show with, with Anthony, uh, my friend, Anthony Pinto for three or four years. Um, I think from 2011 to 2014 or 15, 14. Yeah. 14. So about three, three and a half years and, uh, shout out to war room Philly. And we're doing that, loving life. I was huge into sports uh, radio. I had a bunch of internships at sports radio stations. So it's always what I really, really wanted to do uh, with my profession was to be on the radio, hence why we have an audio podcast. Um, But I left that. I did my own thing, a solo thing, the Bar Talk Sports Podcast, like this filthy, unedited adult podcast for sports. And it lasted 10 or 11 episodes, you know, two months, three months, but it, it eventually went it by the wayside a couple episodes are still now on itunes it's pretty funny to go back and and listen to those i still use the same microphone i use now just a lot different settings um but we're in giant while food shopping it was july 30 no 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 no. that was it was actually like six weeks before that this is probably june actually and uh shot him a text out of the blue i i knew i wanted to do some sort of podcast again i knew i didn't want it to be sports and outside of sports I love nerd. Like I love gaming. Like right now I'm going to open my 3DS 
and I'm playing Pokemon because I'm a nerd. And, and like, I love gaming, love movies, love TV, love breathe music. So I was like, okay, who loves all these things? Uh, and so it's Sam. That's the guy. So shot him a text message, quite frankly, and, and quite simply said, hey, do you, would you be interested in doing a podcast about all things nerd? Uh, movies, music, TV, gaming, comics. I, I would love to believe his answer right away was yes. Um, I would, I think it actually was. I'm pretty sure it was like, hell yeah. Uh, it's a great idea. And then we brainstormed a bunch of ideas. We shot back and forth a bunch of texts and notes with segment names. And we still didn't have a name for the show and going back and forth and back and forth. How can we be different from all these other, you know, uh, pop culture podcasts that just go on and then we talk and we leave. Well, okay, let's do a recap of all the week's nerdy news. Like everything (laughs) story after story after story. That way it's a little bit for everybody and we'll dive deep where we see fit. All right, we're in. Okay. What else? Well, what if we had trivia? I love it. What if we did a, a weekly top three? Love it. Later on, we birthed the pick of the week. Love it. So now we have these recurring segments. So got it. We have the topic. We have the format. We have the segments. I love it all. What do we need? We need a freaking name. So we're going back and forth in these segment names. And I shot out there. We podcast and we know things. It's going to be our weekly Game of Thrones recap. He said, fuck that. That's not a segment name. That's the podcast name. And I was like, yeah, you sure? Yeah, that's it. All right, that's it. We podcast and we know things. And for everybody out there, it is not the word and. It is an ampersand. It is we podcast, ampersand, we know things. It's not we podcast and know things. It is not we podcast and the word and we know things. It is we podcast and we know things with an ampersand. And so we were like super hyped on the name and uh, we're ready to go. Get on iTunes. We get on Stitcher. All that stuff. July 31st, 2016. It was a Sunday morning. It was the only episode we ever did voluntarily on a Sunday morning. We thought it was going to be every Sunday. We'll release it on Monday morning. Um, or even Sunday just to beat the Monday traffic. I forget what it was, the strategy was. But po- Monday is a really, really popular day for uh, releasing podcasts. So we we're like, fuck it. Let's do Sunday. We'll beat the traffic and we'll try to be everybody's first go to that way. You know, we're out in front of it. We record our first episode. We did that for one week before switching to Saturdays. Um, I remember our first episode was on Batman versus Superman and we did like a comprehensive look at the film. And the craziest thing is I didn't watch it, but I told him I did. I watched pieces. I still don't know how it ends. I've still never seen the second half. There's, I think there's a part where either Amy Adams, or if it's not Amy Adams, it's Ilsa Fisher, but I think it's Amy Adams, is in a bathtub, maybe? Or Clark Kent, you know, Henry Cavill, is in a bathtub? One of them? I think that that happens. And if that does happen, that's where I turned it off after that scene. I haven't seen a damn thing after that. But bullshit it my way through episode one episode two the joker no the suicide squad i think we did i saw that in theaters so i had the full topic on that but after that it was like well holy shit uh i go back now and i listen to episode one and boy it is rough uh we say um the same shit over and over again uh we have really bad habits that we 
that we had the break. Sam in particular said the same thing like 23 times in one episode. I, I can't remember the filler word. Um, I can't remember it now, but he says the same thing like 23 times. I do this thing where I say uh and um a lot to begin sentences. I don't know why. I do that still. Uh, maybe not as much. I'm kind of conscious of it, but it definitely still happens. So um, we didn't skip a friggin' episode. We didn't skip a single episode until September of 2017 when I went on my honeymoon. We either, you know, when I went on my bachelor party, we were going to record down there in Maryland, but we just did our pre-episode and released an evergreen. Turned out to be one of our more popular episodes. Uh, I had oral surgery. I think it was somewhere in the 20s. Some episode in the 20s, maybe 30s. I had oral surgery. Literally mouth surgery. And still hosted an episode. Um, it was insane. We only did like 22 minutes and the audio looks that sounds like garbage. Because I'm really close up into it and it sounds really bad. But uh did that and... Sam, I cannot remember the first episode he missed or why he missed it. Um, Sam missed one. It was, um, and joining me as always, the best damn voice in the business, Sam Matoro. Best damn voice of the business was birthed birthed by a co-worker of mine, um, Chris Shriver, who's been on this podcast, his older brother. Matter of fact, coined it because he came to me and said, hey, Sam, you got a really good voice. I said, best damn voice in the business. So that's how that was coined. Uh, and then once he skipped his first episode, I said, and is all almost always the best damn voice in the business. Now that's how that happens. Every single week I open that show. This, I open our show the same way and joining me as almost always the best damn voice in the business, Sam Matoro. This is our 181st piece of audio content. I have not skipped a single one. Call me crazy. I'd like to think I am, but what are you going to do about it? Um, we did all of that, like I said, hadn't skipped an episode till September of 2017. Uh, a lot of that was honeymoon. Some of that was our computer that we were recording mid-episode took a giant shit. We, instead of skipping, though, until we could afford a new computer, and shout out to Ion Ryan, uh, who actually gave me a backup Mac for a fucking year uh, until we were able to get a new computer, thanks to your patron money, Patreon money. Thank you very much for everybody who supported us. And continues to support us to this damn Patreon. All of your money goes to new equipment. Um, next purchase being dual microphones. So Sam and I can have two mics. And we can play around with that. And kind of be a little bit more casual than sitting in the middle of my living room. Um, like idiots. Like to just sit on the couch, relax, have a good time. Uh, so that's what it will go to next. But anyway, in Jul- June. June of 2017. When we're actually at our bachelor party. Actually, it was a couple days before we left for my bachelor party. I said, well, you know, listen, we're not gaining a lot of traction. We're not gaining a lot of ton of listeners. We're about 50, you know, 40 to 50 downloads a week, maybe. So what are we going to do? Are we going to stop? Are we going to keep going? And I said, well, listen, dude, I just saw on Instagram that Sergio Anello of the early November is releasing a solo record and he recorded it at the Lumberyard with Ace Enders, the early November's lead singer. And the early November... I have a tattoo on my arm of them. Sam and I have loved this band since we were in Bubbles' basement listening to frickin' uh, uh, Pretty Pretty and, like, just rocking out. So, seen them 30 fucking times live. 35, I think. And uh, 
that Serge was always our guy. Ace and Serge were our two favorites of the band. Jeff's right up there too. Ultra Bill, fucking all of them, really. Just they all rock Joe. Um, and so when I saw that, I said, you know what? I I'm confident enough in doing interviews. What about you? Because Sam, before this podcast, had zero media experience. Did not go to school for it. Did not do radio. Did not do television. Nothing. As green as you can be. Um, so I just wanted to make sure he was kind of comfortable with this. But at the same time. We have the potential to meet and talk to our idol about uh, a new project. So I DM Serge on Instagram, throwing shit against the wall. I was actually in the bathroom at work when I made that, when I sent that DM. And I am checking my DMs every 30 seconds because I don't have notifications on. Uh, I like to be surprised. So I'm checking Instagram every 30 seconds to see if we get back, if he gets back. I think three days pass. I think I. DM'd him back saying, hey, sorry we couldn't connect. Um, it's unfortunate we can't make anything work, but if you're ever around or in the future you want to do anything, let me know. And he actually answered that. He said, dude, sorry. I didn't. I don't know how I missed you know, your first DM, but like, that's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. Yeah, I'd love to do an interview. And he actually sent me that when Sam and I and my all, girl, all, all my groomsmen were actually at my bachelor party. So, uh, we're at my bachelor party celebrating and then get this friggin' DM saying that our idol is going to do a friggin' interview with us. We set up the date. It's July. Like we're super psyched and we're trying to figure out where to do it. And, uh, we, we settled on a coffee shop. We settled on a Starbucks on like route 38 in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I think the interview was 1230 or two. Either way, Sam and I got there about two hours early. And it's a Saturday, so it's busy, and it's hot. If you've ever been to a Starbucks, most Starbucks outside seating is metal. So it is hot. Sam wore black. I wore, uh, I think Sam wore black. There's photos. I can't remember. I wore a Matt Hardy, or a Hardy Boys. I wore a Hardy Boys reunion t-shirt. So, like, that was a good choice. Um, I look like a glow stick, but, uh, we're like charging the laptop, shitting bricks of nerves. Like our idol is about to walk into a Starbucks just casually saying like, what's up guys? You ready to talk for an hour? And it's like, we expected about 40 minutes. He walks in, Sam is outside, reserved us a table. I'm charging my computer cause there's no outlets outside. So I knew it had to get by on its juice, but it's a metal computer and fricking, um, no outlets, metal computer, hot out. It's going to drain quick. So I was like, this is going to go terribly. It's going to die on the way home and I'm going to lose it forever. So like, we just got to figure this out and get it done quick. He walks in. He's like, what's up guys? And we we froze. We freaking froze, man. And it's like, hi, um, are you ready to talk? And he sits down like nicest, most cordial dude ever. He's like, yeah. And so I'm not going to talk about the things we talked about before or the things we talked about after the interview, but he kept us for over three hours. When I tell you how excited that car ride home was, it was, it was two things. It was one, we just accomplished a bucket list goal for ourselves and the pod. And two... we just like 
I, I don't know how to explain it, but there, there are things like, I know, I know I just said bucket list. So it sounds like a, a lot like a bucket list, what I'm about to go into, but like, there are things that in life you dream about, not just the pod, right? But like, there are things in life that don't seem real. And when the bass player to your favorite band ever just talks to you for three hours, a lot of it recorded on air, and then says, yo, what's your number? Like, and that was like a couple weeks later, but like, whoa. And you become friends with this person. And like, we still are to this day. And we talk all the time, like, holy shit, like all of us. And so like that, it showed us what was possible. Like that's, it showed us the art of the possible on this show and where we could take it, where we could bring it, what we could do and how obsessed we are with interviews and how we can make them better. So after we interviewed Surgeon Joe, we said, what's next? I Let's just hit up everyone that's recorded at the friggin' Lumberyard in an effort to get with the guys at the Lumberyard too. That's like the end goal. It'll be like a series. So we hit up our friends in Beta Camp. Um, Sam couldn't make this interview. It was during a weeknight, like 8.15 or something crazy. Uh, that's, that's not crazy. I say it's crazy for like a 28 year old, uh, 29 year old. It's not a lot, but anyway, um, I connect with them for a really good 45 minute interview. There were some audio issues that I still feel bad about to this day. And it was their first interview. I think they said they bought a friggin' new microphone just to do it. I would love to redo that interview, uh, with them. But again, it just it showed us like oh and they'll share it oh and Serge shared it on his Instagram and his Facebook and his Twitter and so did these dudes like holy smokes um, what is this real so now I'm in mode right I go into PR mode and I learn all about PR I'm going 24 seven my wife hates me for it ask her it was a really rough time for her because all I could think about was who can I get on who can I get on who can I get on and when I look at the laundry list of freaking people we've had on this show and it takes me a while to scroll through i wrote i keep notes of everybody we have it takes me a while to get through that i'm scrolling multiple times through the screen because we have had so many guests on that are bucket list freaking guests when we are kids growing up listening to these bands or playing these games or watching these movies like now we get a chance to talk to these people and have a good long conversation everybody gave us as much time as we wanted nobody ever cut us off one person did but i get it um, it was on a press release for his movie, so I understand. But some shooting out emails. I shoot an email to Danny Stevens of the audition. He gets back to me at five o'clock in the morning, four o'clock Nashville time. Like good for him, man. I appreciate him being awake. But he gets back to us. We set that up. Had a freaking two-hour conversation with him, and he's a hockey guy, so we talk hockey. Had Nigel Bach on, like our fourth interview already. Nigel Bach. Friggin' director of the Bad ben, Bad Ben films from Amazon Prime, like insane. Now we're now we're out of the music space, and now we're delving into movies. We go back in the, into the music, and another band we grew up loving and idolizing was Hidden in Plain View. Myself especially, uh, you know, right up there with the early November, probably top five, definitely top three. Something corporate, early November, and Hidden in Plain View, top three drive-through bands. I consider Newfound Glory kind of like on a different stratosphere when it comes to like drive-through but um starting line up there too and uh holy smokes man like hit up joe on you know on his on his email and he was super nice like yeah we should set it up we could do outdoors or whatever you guys want to do we end up going to his hometown 
meeting at a brewery, the um, was it the Iron? No, the uh, Sterling Pig Brewery and Media, and they were super nice. I call them up and say, "Hey, do you mind if we do an interview?" They gave us the entire top floor. They shut the door so there wasn't a ton of noise. We overlooked the spot. They brought up beers for us the entire time. Like unbelievably cool. So it's ten thirty in the morning, and we're drinking beers with Joe Rio from Hidden in Plainview. Two hour interview. Another hour after that, and we did keep him long. And I still, I'm still sorry for that. I know that you had to go home, but we did not want to stop that conversation because I was feeling a little tipsy, and it was great uh, to talk to you for so long. And um, we've actually recently communicated about getting and doing another thing. It was supposed to be for the Warp Tour that they played on. We couldn't connect, um, but would love to have Joe on again. Um, that would be super cool. But then we have Jonathan Sheck on. Jonathan freaking Sheck shot an email to his wife. I would like to think she handles his PR, but shot an email to his wife. And she said, yeah, sure, no problem. She forwards it to, I guess, his manager, who says, yeah, we'll do it 15 minutes. or Actually, he said 10 minutes. Give us 10 minutes. He actually is doing a new movie. I think it was called Day of the Dead Bloodlines or Dawn of the Dead Bloodlines. And uh, I'm like, holy shit, this is Sam loves him because he's Jonah Hex and DC Legends of Tomorrow. I love him because he's the star of my favorite movie of all time, That Thing You Do. He's Jimmy from The Wonders. Um, and I'm like, geez, Louise, we get to talk to this guy? Oh, but it's about Day of the Dead. So I got I get a preview of the film. So I watched the film. I'm not a horror guy, but enjoyed the film. All right, let's keep it to the film. Let's keep it to the film. Well, I got 10 minutes. I'm Friggin' asking questions about that thing you do. You better gosh darn believe. And the audio was even a little messed up for that one. It was really loud on my end because, again, I had 10 minutes. I was very, very, very... I did it alone. I was very, very um, excited, if you will. It was my first time going through, like, a manager. And so, like, I wanted to try and be professional. Um, But he actually, at the end of the time, like, signaled, hey, listen, let's give him a couple more minutes. I, I, like, talked to him. And that, to me, was the coolest like part of that whole interview. Yeah. We got to talk a lot about that thing you do and, and the new movie and all that stuff. But like when he was like, nah, give him two or, you know, two, three more minutes or whatever it was. I was like humbled. And so that was really cool experience. And then there was Tommy from jukebox, the ghost, um, freaking middle of the day. He's like, you do it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, of course, anything for you, dude, Narc Twain jukebox, the ghost freaking have a giant jukebox, the ghost tattoo on my arm too. Happy to do that. Talk Star Wars. Talk all this awesome stuff. But that's how these things are coming together. I'm just shooting emails out to the right people, to the good people of the world, and they're answering me. Most of the time, it's directly to them. People ask me all the time, dude, how the hell do you guys get these guests? I just do a little legwork, and I care, right? I make a lot of investments, and it takes a lot of time. Every night, man, was me on my computer shooting out emails, shooting out this, shooting out that. Got a lot of no's. Got a lot of freaking people ignoring me. Um... But I always made it a case to to do it right. I always made it a case to email the people that spoke to us. It wasn't just just to have somebody on the show, just to have somebody on the show. They either, you know, in a partnership with somebody or we wanted to interview every freaking band we ever listened to growing up, everything that was a part of our childhood. So Tommy was a part of that. Dom from Vent works at the Lumberyard with Ace and Nick. Awesome dude. The next interview, we set up this one was the craziest like thing. Like I sent out an email to the lumberyard saying, "Hey, we'd love to do an interview with Ace uh, and Nick and Dom from the lumberyard. We'd love to get an idea of local recording studio, how it runs, how it operates, maybe drive some traffic to you, anything we could do to help you." They answered me a week later, ten thirty Friday night. My wife and I are are at least a bottle of wine down the hatch, so 
were already a little tipsy. And I get that email. And that basically was it for me that night. Um, I was just in nerd mode the rest of the night where they said, yes, we'd love to do it. And I and I, my, I suggested, I said, hey, can we maybe do it in your studio? We'll come to you and we'll do it there. And when they said yes, I said, holy shit, dude, we're about to go to the Lumberyard and do an on-site interview. We have Serge, who is the bass player of Ace's band. So we got an in there. We just interviewed Dom, so and he works with them. So now we have two connections that can help us kind of make sure that we're not crazy people and to reassure them that we are, in fact, fans and friends and good people. Uh, so when we did that interview, we're sitting in a room around a table with Dom Maggi, Nick Bruzzese, and Ace Enders, uh, in an Eagle sweatshirt. This was right after they won the NFC championship, right before the Super Bowl. It was pro bowl week. So in the span of a week, we interviewed Ace and Nick and Dom at the lumberyard and the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I would call that a pretty gosh darn good week driving home from Hamilton, man. It was awesome what a great drive driving in was crazy we were early they weren't answering our dms we had no idea like where the entrance was so we basically sat in the back of a wawa and waited for dom to dm us back while we're staring at literally a lumberyard um waiting to go into the lumberyard studios we see the antique shop we can see where the lumberyard is but where the hell's the door we find out that it's in the back we go to the back, we sit in the car for like three minutes and basically shit ourselves. And then Ace puts us in his Instagram story. And he said podcasting and did a boomerang video of Sam and I. And you can't really see our faces, but we knew. And when we got to the car and we see it, we're like, oh my God, we took screenshots of it. And we weren't sure if it's like Snapchat when you screenshot a video, if it sends the person that we took a snap a screenshot. So we're like, were we just super creepy? So we like tested it on ourselves. It was weird. And, uh, Un- unbelievable man i remember uh, just a crazy night in my house shot an email out to the band may we looked up to the band may forever they get back to us super quick yeah we'd love to do something and we interviewed all three of them like unbelievable and they took a picture of themselves in their studio saying podcasting with the lovely folks of we podcast and we know things so like holy shit may just put us out there on their social media like as we're talking to them we had um i shot an email out to grant kirkhope who did uh, he was the first Western composer for a Mario game for Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. He was the composer to Banjo Kazooie and GoldenEye. He worked at Rare, like a freaking, a freaking uh, idol of the of the video game soundtrack world, of the video game music space, and just music in general. He and I had a great conversation as well. Um, it's, these are all available. We had Will Pugh of Cartel on, who again, super nice in his own email. So I'd love to do it, guys. And he jumped on. He gave us an entire night. Guys related to Elvis Presley. Would you know that? Did you know that? You do now, unless you listen to the episode. Like, super cool. Had Shane Henderson on from Valencia. Uh, Matt Papa. This is a crazy story. He lives in Japan. He is a... Uh, he works for Inti Creates. They do, like, Mighty Gunvolt Burst, Mega Man 9, uh, 10, I think Mighty Number no. 9. Um, the... Uh, all the Gunvolt games, they did uh, Galgun. They were just releasing Galgun 2. So it was a good opportunity for him to come on and talk about Galgun 2 because we have a lot of gamer fra- uh, fans of ours and listeners. So we do the interview. He said, how about 10 o'clock? I said, uh, we're still at work at 10 o'clock in the morning. He goes, no, 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 10 o'clock at night because it'll be 10 o'clock in the morning for me. And it was like, oh, man. Then we had to push it back to 11. So now it's a weeknight. It's a Thursday night. Sam, well, I had work the next day. 
Uh, it's 11 o'clock. We get the call, and it sounds like shit because he is literally in Japan. He was trying to do Skype, but it wasn't working. It was choppy. He couldn't hear us. We couldn't hear him. He ends up calling us from like a cell phone or something like that. Um, I hope it had international calling. I hope I did. And we talk via cell phone for, it took us like 25 minutes. So now the interview is not starting till like 1130 and we talk for an hour. So it's almost one o'clock in the morning. By the time we get done this interview, I edited it that night, got zero sleep, went to, to work the next day, basically on fumes. Um, and, and that was just super fun. I'll never forget that, that story. Uh, and then our first interview with a PR firm was Jesse Kinch. He won ABC's singing contest. I can't remember what the singing contest name is now. But that was our first time working with a PR company where I actually requested to interview a person, um, gave them the list of the interviews we've done, and they said, hey, listen, we'd love to send this list out to our team, and if they have anybody they'd like you to interview, you know, we can work together. Great. Love the partner. So we work with Jesse, great guy, 20-year-old kid, ton of talent, basically shitting on record labels. The entire interview was really cool, um, or at least certain record labels. Then uh, the same company that set, set us up with Jesse shot me an email and said, hey, would you like to interview Hawthorne Heights? Yes, that Hawthorne Heights, the same Hawthorne Heights that we all listen to uh, as kids. And it wasn't just a phone interview. Would you like to go backstage at the venue in Philly and interview them backstage? And this was the first time we'd ever done that. So a lot of firsts happening on the show. Sam couldn't make that one. I actually brought Chris Shriver with me. And I remember Chris was like, can I bring something to autograph? And I was like, no, we don't do that, man. We're, we're going to be professional. And he brought the record sleeve anyway. You're like, shout out to you. I made him leave it in my car. But uh like that was the first time we did a backstage interview. Wouldn't be the last, which is awesome. Um, we didn't even get a photo, which is weird. We got a couple. Of, we get photos of a lot of the interviews we do, um, like the in-person ones. Joe, Serge, May. We didn't get one with Hawthorne for some weird reason. Uh, but then we interviewed the Insides, another band that recorded the Lumberyard. A longtime friend of mine, John DeCrosta, uh, one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. Stand-up comedian. He came on a voice actor. All that. He came on, did a great interview, super funny, super funny guy. Loved having him on. David Rosales, Punchline. Like You want to talk about guys that hooked us up, man. Punchline not only worked with our schedule, but they both came on. We set up a conference call. Uh, that was a lot to edit because they weren't in the same room and there was like some talking over and stuff like that from all four of us. So definitely took you know a long, long time to edit that one, but that one turned out great. They shared it on every social media platform they have and like... I can't thank those dudes enough because that day that we released that interview was the highest downloaded day we ever had in the history of our podcast. And it happened to be the same day that we announced that we were pregnant, Ashley and I. So, like, what a day. Uh, June 9th, 2018. Uh, what, what a day. And um, from there, we we did a live episode. Freaking on site, we got uh, invited to Stony Key Cellars Winery to do a live episode there. We brought in, I think, 13 people showed up, which for your first ever live podcast in the middle of Doylestown, when your friends don't live there, like, that's awesome because we we brought in a lot of money to them on a Saturday morning. Um, not a lot of wineries are going to have 13 people drinking at 11 o'clock in the morning, um, but we were, and we had a lot of fun. We spent hundreds of dollars as a group, probably up towards of 1000 um, so they were very happy about that, but we interviewed every single person that worked at the winery. Um, it was a long, long episode, but a lot of fun. I could say 
that I was home by three thirty, four o'clock eating Papa John's and falling asleep by five that day. Um, heavy things. Uh, they opened up for Hawthorne Heights, made a connection backstage at that show. They quickly became my favorite band of 2018. Still love them. They're still great dudes. They're recording some new music. Great interview there. I love The Room, the movie The Room. I uh, was working to get a couple different people from that uh, movie on the show. Had None of it really kind of panned out, but um, wanted to shed some light on the Room Actors, Where Are They Now? Great YouTube series, uh, web series by Robin Paris, who played Michelle in The Room, Chocolate Girl, um, if you didn't know. Uh, she was awesome and humble as hell. She got back to me same night, and we did the interview next day. Super great for all of it to come together within 24 hours. They had a Kickstarter going, which is why the urgency was there. But we actually had a bunch of you who listen to the show donate to their Kickstarter and help get them over the hump to get these episodes made. So like, thank you so much to all of you. Did that. Uh, did another live episode at No Hope Records. Um, Sean Dorsey from No Hope Records was kind enough to have us over. We go down to South Philly to the studio, um, the offices for No Hope Records. Turn out Shane Henderson from Valencia is just there hanging out. And he's like, yeah, I'll come on too. So the four of us had a banger of an episode. A lot of air conditioning in that episode I will I will not uh, forget. Uh, and Shane definitely screamed. Uh, into the microphone loudly about spoilers for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which I now understand why he hated that movie because it sucked. I think it was my number one on 2019's most disappointed list from from the last year, or 2018's. But we had a great time there. Interviewed the worst humans, which is where we actually introduce a new segment to our show, or to our interviews called Rapid Fire. Um, and every interview, so I do a lot of prep when I do interviews. I'm talking a lot. I go through... Dozens of interviews that whomever we're doing did before. I kind of get the vibe of them. It's really why I do it, to get their vibe, their willingness to answer. And I don't want to ask the same damn questions that everybody else is. So I listen to a lot of the questions so I'm not repeating. And I noticed that every interview that The Worst Humans was doing, Ian Halubiak from The Worst Humans, uh, every time he did an interview, people would ask him the same questions. And he would just give one word, two word answers. And he hated it. He hated boilerplate questions. I imagine he still does. And someone was like, how'd you get the name Worst Humans? And he was like, the color purple. It was like the craziest stuff. So we decided to go completely, almost completely non-boilerplate. We, we laid it up for him before we went on. We said, hey, listen, we got to do some boilerplate stuff for the folks that don't know you, but we're going to have a lot of fun. We ended up talking about the best slices of pizza in Brooklyn and Game of Thrones and all this stuff. What a great dude. Um, we don't talk to this day, but we do follow each other on social media. We do interact on it, like Instagram and stuff, but like super good dude. Or that's how we learned to not really be boilerplate and to add that re, uh, the rapid fire segment. We had Phil Moore on the show, which was the host of Nick Arcade, which is just like that was the best show ever growing up. And Phil told us so many stories behind the scenes and talked about Mark Summers. And he we we try to have every guest on the show do an intro. Hi, this is Greg Hall from whatever, and you're listening to We Podcast and we know things. You can make a joke, you can make it funny, you can do whatever you want. And Phil Moore took the Nick Arcade theme song. It's not the theme song. It's like the in-game show song. And he sang in the melody of that song, It's Phil Moore, the Nick Arcade man. And you're listening to Greg and Sam on the We Podcast. And we know things, y'all. Greatest fucking intro ever. Best dude ever. So funny. He gave us another hour 
before and after the interview. We talked forever with that guy. So much fun to be a part of that interview. We had Connecticut on the same day as Fillmore. We went back to back. So we did a normal episode at 7 in the morning. Then we had an interview. Then another interview. All back to back. Mind you, for the past three years, we recorded at 7 in the morning on Saturdays. We've recently changed it to 7 at night on Thursdays. Uh, since we came back from our hiatus uh, when I had a baby. But, yeah, anyway, freaking amazing dude. Connecticut, amazing dudes. Mick Waits, great guy. Call failed four times. He was calling us from England. So that was tough to um, kind of get together because his Skype wasn't working and then Google Hangouts was being a bitch. We, like, couldn't get this guy to give us ten minutes without some call failing on someone's end, either ours or his. So that episode was very heavily edited as well. Um, but awesome to get through to that. Mark, uh, I'm sorry, Frank's, uh, Frank Zumo of Sum 41. We got an email saying, hey, would you like to interview Frank Zumo, of S- the drummer from Sum 41? Uh, no, no, I'm good. I don't want to I don't want to interview Sum 40 fucking one. Gosh darn, dude. Frank is the man, one of the most talented drummers I've ever heard and seen. We were super psyched to have him, him on. Mike Japari of SJC Custom Drums came on with him, so we did a four-guy a four guy interview. Um, they were doing a free drum lesson tour up the East Coast, and we wanted to shout that out and get that out to the masses. So had those dudes on. What a friggin' experience that was. Uh, we did Frank, uh, Frank Stancheck of Classic Game Junkie, the store in Glenside, man. We did a live episode at his store after it closed one night, nine thirty at night. We're chilling in there on top of a mar or on top of a Pac-Man cabinet, interviewing on top of a flat Pac-Man cab, just like talking games, man. It was so much fun. Got out of there at like eleven thirty. Drove all the way back here, edited it, and had it up that night. Super cool. Taylor Morden of the last Blockbuster documentary. We then got invited to interview May for a second time. So now we already had the relationship from the first one. Now we get to meet them in person, by, backstage, hang out with them in the, in the, uh, in the, I guess, the whatever, the, their room uh, beforehand. So they're sitting there tuning their guitars, having a good time, drinking, drinking some wine, eating some grapes. Boom, 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 boom. Some hummus. And we're in there talking music, so that was great to, to go back there. Uh, origami crane, we you know we did not hear of or we never heard of origami origami crane before the interview. We listened to their music when we got asked to do it. We said absolutely, we love it. It's super fun music. Had those dudes on, and we have maintained a friendship to this day. We turned into really good friends with those guys, especially Jake, the lead singer and guitar player. Um, check them out, Jake Fine Music and OC Band for Origami Crane. They just dropped a new single. It's a banger. Working through the weekend. Awesome, awesome, awesome song. But they became one of our favorite artists in years. Surge, fast forward, kind of full circle. Surge is finally ready to release his first album under his solo project. So we go to his practice space in New Jersey and interview him and Joe again, live in person. So it's almost like we begin and end uh, with Surge and Joe. We did it live. Like I said, they, we were there for like three, four hours. It was super fun. And then... We thought that was going to be it. We kind of wanted to take a backseat on the interviews because it's just it takes so much time. And with a baby, I just didn't have it in me to do it all. But then an opportunity came along where I emailed Brett Myers, former Phillies pitcher, um, World Series winner. Within 15 minutes, he got back to me. It was scheduled and ready to roll. And we talked a lot of baseball. A lot of music because he is a musician now. But a lot of baseball. Um and it, that's been our last interview. We have not done an interview since. I have a couple feelers out there. Hopefully we can get a couple guests that we've always kind of wanted to get on that we weren't able to a couple years ago. Um, but we're trying to continue to get them on because we love doing it. 
Um, baby's getting a little older, so it's a little easier to do some stuff. But yeah, um, that that's like the birth of everything. And then we decided, you know, we were a part of some great podcast networks. You know, we still are on the Weeby Geeks Network, um, the ESO Network. Great guys over there, Mike and Mike. But we decided, you know, we wanted to take it a little bit different of a direction. Um, we invited our friends MRC Tech and Ion Ryan to be a part of our to be a part of our show, um, and each do their independent pods. They both said yes. Took like three, four months for this all to come together. I'm talking. We started talking it a little after the new year, and you know there are five episodes each deep. So within the last two months, it just started. So this was months and months and months of planning and preparation and making sure we want to do it right. And uh, that's how the We Pod Squad was birthed. And now every other Tuesday, you get out, you know, rotating episodes of MRC Tech or the Ion Ryan show, and then us every Thursday night or Friday morning. So that's how the We Pod Squad was born. But now Sam and I, you know, we maintain an amazing friendship. He's going to be a friend till the till the end. Um, you know, he's and, and now we're moving back to the old neighborhood, two minutes away from him. So hopefully, you know, we continue our friendship even even better and can hang out more than just for the pod. Um, but I wanted to give you all a little bit of backstory into you know, the podcast and how it got started and how Sam and I even knew each other. So a lot of deep stories I told tonight, a lot of deep cuts tonight. Uh, and that's why I'm, I'm naming this episode deep cuts. Um, and just, I just wanted to get everybody a little bit of a look behind the curtain and, um, you know, it's a simple thing, man. We record together, um, on my laptop with our mic and uh, we sit in a room, we prep the shit out of it for the whole week. We're always prepping constantly. And uh, we get together and we just go. We have a good time with it. If we fuck up, who cares? You know, everybody out there try, you know, I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of people out there try to be perfect with their podcast. And that's great. And I'm sure that it pays dividends. But we don't want perfection. We want fun. And if we burp or fart or mess up, we usually keep it in. Uh, if my wife comes down to get a drink, we keep it in. Um, my baby is crying upstairs. We we keep it in, and I go get her, uh, or Ashley takes care of it. But we we like to have a lot of fun, and we keep it raw. And um, you know, we have great outro music. Thank you, Ampix, for the partnership and and letting us use your song. We have amazing a ton of intros. Um, you know, you heard Sergio's tonight because he was the first one. Got to give him props on that. It is our third sh- birthday show after all. Um, but again, just wanted to let you guys know how Sam and I even met, how this thing even became to be. And, uh, I'm sure you're bored of it by now. Um, and we'll be back with the nerdy stuff next week. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's going to be a lot of fun. We are going to have a lot to cover. Sam's going to be back from Alabama. And again, a couple weeks for episode 150, we have some plans. We want to tease out there now of like a really cool thing of the entire we pod squad. So we hope that that comes to fruition. Um, but this has been episode 145, no, 146, uh, deep cuts as I call it. Um, I really hope you did enjoy it. I would love some feedback if this was something that you enjoyed or if you hated, uh, shoot us an email. We podcast and we know things at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or right, right on our Facebook timeline or tweet at us. We pod and we know, or at Samuel Matoro and just let us know what you think, but I hope you enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun telling the stories and, um, we appreciate you. We couldn't do the show without you. Thanks to our patrons. Thanks to the people that are, were patrons and just couldn't do it anymore for whatever reason. We appreciate anything you've ever given us. Everybody who's left us a review. Everybody who's even texted and said the show's cool. Or it's not cool. <laughs> Anybody who has our magnet hanging up at work. Anybody who's bought a t-shirt. Just like, we cannot thank you enough. We love doing the show. We love you. 
We'll see you next week for episode 146.